Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Greetings and welcome to Political Pursuits Podcast. We got a special treat today. This is going to be our inaugural voyage of the political of political pursuits, the panel. And so today it's not just myself here, Lou Ann Anderson, but I also have the pleasure of being joined by Con Tatum, host of Common Sense with Con, which many of you are familiar with that. It airs on Saturdays. KTEM AM 1400 here in Central Texas from noon to 2. Also got Lynn Woolley with us here, host of Planet Logic podcast. And additionally, in fresh in from law school, <laughs> we retrieved him back from the state of Virginia for at least a few months here, and we're looking forward to that, Mr. C.J. Grisham. So thank you all for being here today as we are, as I said, in our inaugural a voyage of the political pursuits panel. Insert applause. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And oh boy, I think we we in even just trying to get ready to do this today, we've already had like an hour of wisdom that probably we should have had things rolling <laughs> as we were talking about. Certainly wasn't hard to think about. Oh, what are we going to talk about this time? But Here- it's been a a very good discussion. And there's nothing better than just having a good, common-sense discussion among reasonable people. And reasonability is the one thing that seems to be kind of a little bit on short supply these days. And looking at what I was going to entitle this one today, I just put on my, my notes here, George Floyd, when one man's protest becomes another man's riot. And yeah. that certainly would seem to kind of encapsulate where we are right now. And so with that, let's just go around the table and kind of get some opening views from, from everybody in terms of we've had a week now since George Floyd was ostensibly murdered by this Minneapolis police officer. It was one week ago today. Uh, certainly in the last three, four days, we have had serious, serious rioting. It was ratcheting up a little bit last week, but... Starting about Thursday night was when it really got crazy. And then with each night here on, we have seen it both increase in intensity as well as in the number of cities that seem to be involved. And we're not certain that tonight isn't going to be another one. So, Con, what what are your thoughts on this as we start out? My thoughts are it's very common for people to think that my voice doesn't count. Uh, one person can't make a difference. I might remind you that uh, the person that filmed that incident with uh, 
Mr. Floyd being murdered was a 17-year-old young lady that took the time and the effort to film that and look at how that has affected the rest of the nation. The actions of one 17-year-old young lady, uh, look at what has, it has resulted in. We would have never known about this without that one person. And this was not a 70-year-old, this was a 17-year-old young lady. And look at the results of her actions that she took. All right, Lynn Woolley here. The thought in my mind is that things like, you hate to let a good crisis go to waste, as the Democrats say, and I wonder if there is a way to use that in a conservative way to bring this country together in some sort of unity. I haven't met anybody yet that believes that a police officer in Minneapolis should have put his foot on somebody's neck, white, black, brown, whatever the color of the person and suffocated that man or caused him to have some bodily reaction to it, such as a heart attack, that resulted in his death. So I would march with these people for the right of people not to have to be afraid of the people we hire to protect them. But there's a line that has to be drawn here, and, and when it goes from a protest, which I would hasten to say is protected by the First Amendment of the Constitution, and it turns into a riot, your right to protest ends where my right to have my business window intact begins. And so we've got to, I think, do two things. I wrote a column about this for my website. I think, I think really the first thing we're going to have to do here is figure out a way to weed out evil, bad, and corrupt law enforcement officers. Now, sensitivity training, to me, I've always thought it was kind of a silly concept. Concept, But maybe within police departments, it's not. But if we can do that, and we can make that work, then we've got to make it a point to let groups like Antifa and others know that protesting is fine in America, but tearing up other people's property is not, and we've got to wreak holy hell on people that do it. Yeah, CJ here, and I completely agree when this all started, and still today, I'm very in support of all of the peaceful protests that are going on. I've been a vocal critic of bad police officers for quite some time now, and to see any man or woman killed at the hands of the people who are tasked and paid to protect us is something that every American should find egregious. And I will likewise march and protest and scream uh, against that. I also believe that when you're attacked, you attack your attacker. You don't attack everyone else. And what's happened here is, um, you know, initially even, and I'll probably be the extremist on the panel about this. I mean, I didn't even have any problems with them burning down the symbol of the oppression that they had that day, which was the police department. It goes beyond that, though, once you start going into to private businesses and things like that. I mean, look what happened in 1776 when King George was doing what King George was doing. We went after King George and his apparatus. We destroyed his apparatus in order to become free. And But once you get into rioting and those kinds of things, uh, it, it, it exceeds that. But here's what I'll say about I support good law enforcement. Absolutely, 100 percent. And, and we need more of it. Um, what needs to happen is there, there are three problems that, that we have, I think, in law enforcement that I've noticed. First, it starts in the academies. 
The academies are teaching uh, cops that we are the enemy. Every person you come in contact with out there wants to kill you. And we drill it into these young officers' heads that they have to constantly be on edge because everyone wants to kill them. That puts them in the wrong mindset when you're a peace officer. When you're supposed to be a peace officer, it's the wrong mindset when you tell them that everybody wants to kill them because it's just not the case. Less than 1% of officers ever have to draw their uh, pistols in the line of duty in their entire careers. Less than 1%. Second is the qualified immunity issue. We've got too many police officers that go out and do these things and the courts give them qualified immunity. And it, it it's the way that it's been defined is absolute nonsense. And then finally, it's the unions and the associations, the police associations and the police unions. When the cities try to hold these cops accountable, the unions get involved in cahoots with the courts and they're protected. So we've got to fix those three things first. A couple of things here. Um, first off, USA Today is just reporting. We knew that today there were going to be some more autopsy results coming out with regard to George Floyd. And, um, oh, this is from the attorney of the Floyd family, Benjamin Crump. He says that an independent autopsy has determined that asphyxiation from sustained pressure was the cause of Floyd's death. And this was an independent autopsy that was um, performed with Dr. Michael Bodden in consultation along with another Dr. Alicia Wilson. But um, I was going to say I absolutely agree with what CJ's talking about. I cringed a bit last week early in the coverage of this when I would hear different people, usually black civil rights type type um, advocates, talking about, well, this is, a, this is a sign of the institutional racism that exists within mm. our society. I'm not so convinced that it's institutional racism because, yes, that implies that all of us are racist, and if, there were, if racism so permeated our society, I don't know, of the four of us, I think one of us would probably harbor some ill feelings, and I know that that is not the case. What I see this as is more like institutional cronyism. And that goes to what CJ's talking about, is that you have the cronyism from between within the police departments, that blue wall that you always hear about, where the police protect the police. And I, I criticize the legal industry in the same way that there's so many bad lawyers, but good lawyers don't stand up to the thugs within their industry. And so you have that, but then also you have cities who have their own protectionist interests because they don't want to have the bad publicity of a cop who's done bad. And then absolutely you have these you have these police associations, you know, here in a state like Texas where we're not unionized or you have the unions and those people are protecting those officers. And between all three of those things, I think that leads up to an institutionalized cronyism that works against the public, be it black, white, Hispanic, straight, gay, anybody. I think that's the bigger culprit of the problems that we see more so than institutional racism. I think that's a little bit simplistic. Well, I think that well to keep this in perspective, I think one culprit in all of this is when you turn your TV on tonight, you'll hear a politician or a newscaster uh, stating that the police officer lay their lives on the line for you every day. You hear that repeated over and over and over and over. 
and are we brainwashing our public servants to be live in fear of us, the general public? Now let's look at the uh, at the statistics. Last year there was 122 police officers killed in the line of duty. 44 were killed feloniously. That means they were shot by bad guys, whatever. Okay, at the same period of time, there was 363 farmers and ranchers killed doing their job. Now, the difference is there's 122 policemen killed, 44 killed feloniously, and there is 700,000 of them. Do the math, folks. There's actually almost a million. Almost a million. All law enforcement, federal to local, there's 960-something thousand. Okay, so divide a million, whatever, into 44. Yep. What are the odds of them being killed feloniously every day when they go to work? It's about the same odds or less than you were in you winning the lottery when you buy a lottery ticket. But if you listen to the news and the politicians, they would have you believe that every time a police officer puts his uniform on, he's going to get shot. And that's just not the truth. So let's keep this in perspective, folks, and let's honor a thing called the truth, not political rhetoric. Well, Lynn here, it's about adequate force. Let's say they thought that George Floyd was passing counterfeit $10 bills or whatever it was. There's a couple of possibilities here. Maybe he's got a printing press set up down in his basement. I just wrote a short story some years ago about a similar situation to that. And in my story, that was the guy was the villain. But we don't know that. Uh, you go to Taco Bell and you give them a $20 bill, they have a marker they use and they hold it up to the light to see. He may not have known he had a counterfeit bill. This is why in America you are presumed innocent until a prosecutor can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you are not innocent. You don't execute somebody on the scene. Then there's the concept of what is adequate force. We saw this on Long Island with Eric Garner the black man there who was selling the Lucy's at the time. That's against the law, okay, but he wasn't killing anybody. He didn't have a gun pointed at the police that I know of, and they restrained him, and he was saying, I can't breathe. I don't know what they don't understand about that. If, it's, if you could just handcuff his hands behind his back and sit him in the squad car, isn't that better than, than putting him in a, in a stranglehold, putting a, 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 a foot or a knee on somebody's neck to the point of asphyxiation. And it seems like Eric Gardner was a pretty big boy, too. So when he's surrounded by four or five cops, he's down on the on the ground sitting there, and he's already to some degree subdued, and well, was he chokehold. Was he no, armed? No. What, what, was George Floyd no. armed? Well, what did they think these guys were going to do to them? What kind of threat? Yeah, where was the threat? Well, I'm a little bit concerned, too, in that we know that police departments oftentimes will withhold different evidence, and, there's, and there is good reason sometimes for them to withhold it. But I've seen a couple of reports talking about that there is some other video showing him potentially having resisted arrest to some degree earlier in the altercation. If, in fact, that's true, well, number one, it still does not... I don't understand how it could ever justify what that man did. And that man, that, that cop, that Chauvin, that he looked that girl in the eye, looked that camera in the eye, and with just such a sense of self-assurance, kept 
his knee on that man. I mean, that was that was just that made my blood kind of turn cold. But if there are some other other extenuating circumstances that might at least allow some context for some degree of the police response, let's hear it because that's not serving anyone well anyone in the public well from any side it's not serving it well if there is some other context that at least gives a more full picture that's not being shared but when you're handcuffed behind your back how big a threat are you to anyone you know this this guy was handcuffed behind his back and there's four or whatever number of policemen there you gonna tell me that he's a threat to four different armed policemen He's standing there with his handcuffs behind his back. Give me a break. Yeah, and this is this is another part of the problem of that is bred into the academies because one of the points that these young recruits are told are when you get on the scene, you're in charge. You're the power. And every and I've seen it as an activist. I've seen it all the time where the police are like, I'm I'm the one in charge right here. And they won't in in many instances they just won't sit and and listen to reason when you're when you've got it on a piece of paper, when you're trying to show it to them, when you're trying to give it to them, and and this isn't a black or white issue. I, I one of the things I'm going to be talking about on Friday here when we have the rally here in Temple, is about Tony Tempa. Nobody knows about Tony Tempa up in Dallas. Why? Because he's a 32 year old white man that was killed by police in the exact same way that George Floyd was killed. The officers were on his back and on his neck. They had his face in the dirt. He even said, "You're going to kill me. I can't breathe." And he ended up dying. Now, he was somewhat of a mentally ill guy. Uh, he had called the police himself. He was the one that... Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company. The only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. libertytabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. Called and said he needed help because he's kind of a schizophrenic or whatever. and he, But yet, what did the police do? They came and they made a situation worse. This isn't a black or white problem. This is a problem with the police not looking at us, the, the citizenry, as human beings. And, 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 and I understand the mentality because as a combat veteran, we, when we train, you know, all of our uh, chants in the military when you're going through basic, you know, what makes the green grass grow? Blood, blood makes the green grass grow. You try to dehumanize the enemy because it's very difficult for one human to kill another human being. And, and so you try to dehumanize the enemy. And unfortunately, I think that's what our police departments are doing, but they have to recognize they're not in combat. And I also know it's not everyone. And, I, and I'm saying this stuff, but the problem isn't just the people who are killing us. It's not the one or two guys who are killing us. It's 
the three or four guys or 10 in some cases that are sitting around watching it. Well, and then there are those instances like Ferguson, Missouri, where the gentle giant yes. uh, was probably high on something. He had knocked off a store. He'd stole some some uh, little cigars or something. And, and he lunged. Uh, and he lunged, uh, I believe, through a window of a, yes. of a patrol yeah. car going for the officer's gun. Now, there's no reason to riot in a case like that. No. In fact, if there's going to be any, any protest going on there... Maybe the uh, maybe the, the law-abiding communities could have done that, and it was even worse than that. In in on the other way, though, from the the standpoint of bad policing, I think almost the banner city in America is Cleveland, Ohio, where a little eight-year-old boy named Tamir Rice or Tamir, I don't know how you say it, Tamir was yep. playing with a toy gun. A child, and the police came up and shot him dead. That just Without even yelling for him to, you know, not no, within seconds of arrival. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. What were those police charged with? Jaywalking? Murder? What were they charged with? You know, my, my problem is the police should not be exempt from the same law that I live under and you live under. When you kill someone dead, you had better have a justifiable reason for killing him. And shooting an eight-year-old kid with a toy gun is not justified, at least not to my, not to me. Uh, so I'm just saying we need to reestablish the fact that policemen are human beings just like you and I. They're not, they, they don't, they weren't born with wings and a halo over their head. They're just human beings. A police chief said once upon a time, he said, if 10% of the general population have a mental problem, then 10% of policemen have a mental problem. My point of that is other policemen need to recognize that and get the rotten apple out of the barrel before they contaminate the barrel. That was so. has been one of my problems so much watching this, and it brings to mind we were talking a little bit before we came on here, talking about the local case here with Lorenzo Mar Martin Martinez. Martinez. Martinez, the kid the, at that time six, seven years ago, he was 15 years old, and he was involved with a, a alleged shoplifting incident in Walmart. The police, there were five or six of them involved with that. He ended up with a broken collarbone, definitely was roughed up in a way that did not seem appropriate for that. And at that time when that happened, I kept asking the question, where were one of those other cops? Mm -hmm. Because did someone not have the wherewithal to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, guys, here, let's ratchet this down some. But they didn't. And, and that's the situation we have right now in Minneapolis. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it exactly is. It's brought to that to mind so many times. And when we have in Minneapolis, here, this guy, this Chauvin, had been had like 18 other complaints filed against him over the years. So he was known. I mean, he was protected. And if he had a sense that, oh, I'm a protected, you know, he kind of had a point. Because with 18 complaints and nothing's happened to you, it would seem to be the case. And that also would be a message that wasn't lost on his fellow officers. And the way I looked at it was he was the big badass, the alpha dog in that pack. And when he started doing that, unfortunately, the rest of those guys, they weren't going to have the guts. We could use other terms. I won't. To stand up to him. And I remember going to the 
um, suspension hearings for the two police officers that were primarily, primarily involved in the Martinez. And one of the officers that was there that night, he was a guy that was just out of the academy and was new to the force and, I mean, literally had been on the job six weeks or so. But I remember him getting up testifying and him saying, well, in coming to Temple, I knew that, you know, Temple cops, they're badasses. They don't take blank off of anybody. And it was like, wow, okay, talk about a culture. And he wanted that? Yeah, and that was, yeah, that was seen as, as perhaps a, a perk of the job. And so it comes back to me that, you know, I'm just not a big believer in this institutionalized racism, but I'll argue institutional cronyism all day long because that, I think, is the real problem. Well, if that is why that young man wanted to join the Temple PD, I would suggest that uh, he maybe he needs a mental evaluation of some kind uh, and should be joining some other group, not the Temple PD, you know. But I, we have to start asking the question, uh, are these people mentally fit to wear a gun and a badge? I have had some very, very good experiences with police officers, and I've had just one or two instances that could not, they could have turned out very, very bad. Uh, one case here in, in this area, I had a small town policeman that was really fixing to do a job on me and up drove two Bell County deputy sheriffs and they solved the problem. So there are some very good common sense officers out there, but we need to put more emphasis or training or something on the good kind and make them training officers. Don't make training officers out of a, a 22-year-old that just got out of the police academy. And that's what some police departments are doing. So I think we need to try to get a handle on this sooner instead of later because this is going to continue to happen if we don't clean up the ranks. And I know I'm, I'm always very critical of bad cops, but I'll tell you a good cop story that started out as a bad cop story. I was at the Capitol. We had a, we had a rally that day. And I was walking up to the, the, the rally. Now, the Capitol a few years ago decided just willy-nilly that they were no longer gonna allow rifles on, on Capitol grounds. Well, I had an AR pistol. So it's, it's an AR, it looks like a short-barreled rifle, but it's technically a pistol. And I had it in my holster and everything. And started walking up there and one of the uh, troopers got in front of me and was trying to tell me I couldn't come in there. And I was trying to explain to this trooper that, no, this is a pistol, I'm perfectly allowed to come in here. And she put her hand on my chest and I told her flat out, you touch me again and I'm gonna defend myself. At that moment, two other troopers came up and pulled her away and educated her. Look, you're wrong. Leave him alone. He's not breaking any laws. Those are good cops. Those are the ones that I will have their back every day, every night. And, and I'll say this too. Here's, and this is on a positive note. I think this is how we can fix the problem. In the military, like in law enforcement, they do have stressful situations. Even if the most stressful thing that a cop is ever going to deal with in his career is coming up on a traffic scene and seeing a horrific death, that's a very tragic thing for a human mind to have to process. And the problem is, is that in law enforcement, just like it was in the military up until about 2009, there's this mentality that you can't get help. You're weak if you, if you admit that you've got this problem in your head because you've seen so many dead people at car accidents or maybe you were shot at, maybe you were involved in an officer-involved shooting, maybe you did have to legitimately kill somebody, that still weighs on you. And what the law enforcement community needs to do is get rid of the stigma in law enforcement 
of getting help. That's the one thing that officers tell me all the time is they need to get help, but they can't because they're afraid they'll lose their jobs. The military figured this out in 2009. It took that long, believe it or not. You would think the Vietnam War would have cured them of uh, turning their backs on like PTSD and such. And that's, and that's another part of the problem is you've got officers who have issues, have anxiety, have violent tendencies because they aren't getting the help that they need. And, and until we help them, we're going to keep having these problems. And I think the, the bottom line that we've got to remember from all of this is that we need to make sure that we use this as an opportunity to identify the real source of the problem and that while racism is a component of it, there is a bigger problem in the public and their perceptions and their interactions with police. And um, at the same time, I think it's important that we not realize that there are a lot of other culprits that are involved in this current situation we're seeing with these riots, that these the, the groups of people that are down there protesting, it's not just one singular type person. And I know Lynn had some experience over the weekend. I know CJ was monitoring some activities going on. I've got some information. You know, the uh, governor of Minnesota told us that most of the people up there in Minneapolis um, that were protesting, they weren't even from Minneapolis. And, well, it didn't take too long for that to kind of be um, fact-checked, and I've got some of the results on that. So why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about just who's out there in these, whether you call it a protest or a riot, who's out there doing that, what's, you know, some of us have seen on a first-hand basis. And um, also we'll talk about, remember a couple of weeks ago, you were public enemy number one if you were out in any way protesting your government and um, certainly not social distancing and having your mask mm-hmm. and everything. And funny how just, you know, a brief amount of time changes things. So we'll talk about that, too, when we come back. This is Political Pursuits, the panel, and we'll be right back. <laughs> There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters Pursuits, the panel. We're here today, your host, Lou Ann Anderson, along with Con Tatum, Lynn Woolley, and C.J. Grisham. One of the things that kind of caught my eye over the weekend was, first off, when the governor of Minnesota, oh, and incidentally, he did a really nice uh, news, news um, press conference. I was up for it. 1.30 a.m. Saturday morning. <laughs> wow. 
I was. Uh, what was he hiding? I was up glued to you know all of this. Is this the dedicated <laughs> news junkie, or was there a problem sleeping? <laughs> well, um, both actually. But I, don't, I don't. I don't. I usually sleep in two shifts at night these days for the last six months, and I just forego doing the two shifts and just stayed up for all of this. But at that point, it was like at one thirty. It was like. I'm going to stay up and see if this sucker really shows up. And son of a gun, he did. But one of the things that he was so proud to say was that even though this rioting was going on, the people weren't from Minneapolis. Well, it didn't take long. And um, we found out that that was not at all the case. And in fact, um, most of them were, 32 were from Minneapolis or St. Paul, these were the people arrested Friday night. 13 were from other metro cities. Two were from non-metro cities, so more rural, Minneapolis. And 10 were from other states. And other media outlets were coming up with the same type stuff, um, saying that five were from St. Paul, three from Woodbury, two from Minneapolis, one from St. Louis Park, one from Mankato. So... Um, Anyway, I would say just, you know, when we're hearing this about who these people are, which I think there's kind of about four factions in there. I think there's the looky-looks-er people that are down there just to get a, a, you know, Instagram picture. I think there's some well-intended protesters, and I say protesters with respect for that term because they feel as though something truly bad happened, which did, and they're trying to hear, make their voices heard. I think there are people who are just stirs down there, who are down there, they're the looters, they're the people that are just looking, the agitators, more from a localized standpoint, just down there to see what's going on and see what they can get out of it. And then I do think that there are these out of area groups coming in, which um, that may be something we wanna hit on too with the President Trump talking about Antifa and wanting to um, possibly classify them. But what I wanted to also just make note of was that in Dallas, we had the same thing. I came across, I guess it was Saturday night, a WFAA uh, headline that said, you know, many arrested, but they're not from Dallas. Well, they... Uh, a bit amended that headline a little while later and said many arrested for riot related charges don't live in Dallas but they are from North Texas because yes a lot of these people did not have a Dallas address they didn't have a Dallas zip code but nonetheless they were from places like McKinney and Wiley and the Colony and Arlington and Garland and Plano <laughs> and Fort Worth and Louisville. Hewless you get my point. Yeah, an area we tend to think of as Dallas. <laughs> so my point just with all of this is when you hear about these people being from outside the area, just take it with a I make a point. We saw, we saw rioting, uh, certainly protesting, in Dallas, Austin, Houston, San Antonio. And I just want to say, Fort Worth, I love you. <laughs> it's the kind of town you want to disappear into. Yes. Well, let me give a shout-out for the uh, mayor of Dallas. Uh, he was on a news conference just the other day, and he made the statement talking about the fact that uh, the state of Texas is now going to allow appraisal districts to raise appraisals of property 
8.5%. The mayor of Dallas came out, his name is Eric Johnson, and he said, this is nine kinds of crazy. We're having difficulty paying our bills. We've got 40,000 unemployed, 40 million unemployed people in the country, and you're talking about raising taxes? That we don't need to raise taxes, we need to trim. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now, only at BJ's. Budgets. We need to uh, lay off uh, people in bureaucracies that are not needed. We need to trim taxes, trim spending. We need to avoid wasteful spending. We don't need to raise taxes. We need to lower taxes. And he was absolutely 1,000% right. And I applaud him for being man enough to stand up and tell the truth. I have not detected in our local paper which I am one person that I think the Temple Daily Telegram does a pretty good job of covering the local issues, but I have not detected any hesitation on the part of county or municipal organizations or schools to rein in spending or lay anybody off. And I asked in a column I wrote uh, about Congressman Carter, uh, if anybody's interested, it's at wbdaily.com, I asked how many congressmen were laid off during this, how many members of Congress were considered non-essential, how many members of Congress stood up and said, I'm going to take only half my salary, how many members of, of, of them did. No, but they decided that somebody that works at the bowling alley and is still trying to feed a family is non-essential. So here... They can't, they, it, they can't take a pay cut, Lynn. I mean, AOC's having trouble paying for her apartment as it is. Well, how many of her bloated Well, bless her heart. Well, their bloated staff is often family members. Yeah. But, yeah, and you know that bloated staff, who knows where they've been dispatched to over this time, the people in D.C., um, because I tell you something, D.C.'s numbers are next to nothing when it comes to the virus numbers. And so what that says to me is that most everybody's gotten out of Dodge. But anyway, you know all those people were still on the government dole while they were gone, yet here there are other people who are you know, going without those paychecks and struggling. The lines at the food banks. I mean, every time, every time I think about it and I'm writing out checks, it's like, can I, can I at least send another $25 well, to the food bank? Because I just want to agree with Khan on this issue. This is not the time to be increasing property taxes. This has got to be the worst time in history to be increasing property taxes. Well, and, you know, what are property taxes paid for? They pay for government. What is government doing right now? Nothing. 
Yeah, they're, they're not firing anybody. They're paying them. But what are they're they growing. You know, yeah. they, they, someone said once the only power that a politician has is the power to spend money. Well, their spending of money may result in uh, them increasing their personal wealth from hundreds of thousands to hundreds of millions. Is that how they grow personal finances? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. But uh, we have got to get a handle on out-of-control police officers, but we had better get a handle on out-of-control politicians and out-of-control spending. You know, how many of these politicians' staff has been reduced? None. None of them. And remember the old saying, last one hired, first one fired. That is a mentality in public servants. If you have an assistant to the assistant, he needs to hire another assistant to the assistant to the assistant. So that's the first one fired, not the other one. So that's how bureaucracies just grow out of control. And we're seeing that today in this country, and we have got to get a handle on it. Except, Con, when you're the member of Congress. If you're the member of Congress, say you're the representative, let's say, oh, I don't know, Robert C. Byrd, maybe, or if you're the member of the United States Senate. Let me try to think of somebody. How about Ted Kennedy, Edward M. Kennedy? You die in office. Nothing, yeah. nothing short of death can get your cold, dead hands off of that power. John McCain. John McCain's another one, suffering with brain cancer like Kennedy, and they won't resign. Yeah. Okay, compare that to uh, the old Speaker of the House in Texas. What Jim was his Wright. name? Uh, Jim Wright? No, before that, Sam Rayburn. Oh. Sam Rayburn was Speaker of the House for about 20 or 30 years, long, long time. When he died, his personal fortune was $15,000. Not $15 billion with a B, it was $15,000. He was a statesman, he was not a politician. Yeah, and compare that too to George Washington, who could have been the king of the United States and decided that he didn't want to be king, he'd just be president, he'd serve, he'd sacrifice, and he'd go back home. Well, over the weekend, Lynn, you had some experiences where um, I want to talk about finish up here kind of talking about the whole the whole rioting thing and then um, move a little bit into the the COVID aspect of this. But um, tell us a little bit about your trip to Austin on Saturday. Well, my grandson, Tyler, uh, who, is, who is very politically astute, I might say, he probably knows more than I do uh, about politics, but uh, we decided to go to Austin just to get out of town and, and go downtown and walk around and do some things and and, of course, we got there realizing the protest. So he really wanted to go and see what it was all about. And I, I thought as long as we were careful, it, it would be all right. So uh, we did that, and we went down to the, to the police department, about 8th Street and I-35. And uh, it, we didn't see any violence. Now, it, there, it was fewer people than I expected. And then suddenly we were doing a live Facebook and Tyler said, look up the street. And we looked up the street, and there were thousands of people coming up and you 8. you were there in the middle of the afternoon? We were. It was about 1 o'clock, and we were uh, wearing masks. We were trying to socially distance. As I say, the crowd wasn't that big. Well, when the march got there, it got really big. Some of the signs were out of line. They had uh, pictures of pigs with X's in their eyes signifying that they were dead. And, of course, they were wearing police caps. 
They had uh, uh, a lot of F. Trump's uh, signs. They had they depicted Trump as a dead pig. Let me see if I can turn my phone off well, because I that I, afternoon I was watching a lot of traffic stuff too, and as John was driving back from Dallas, and so I was watching kind of different traffic reports, and they were warning drivers, motorists, to stay off of I-35 both Saturday and Sunday. It was totally closed, uh, and even at the time we were there, it was closed because there were there were people on it, and, and I, I don't know, the, the police may have wanted to try to keep some lanes open for emergency vehicles if they needed to. We stayed for about an hour to an hour and a half, and then we followed it on KVUE-TV on our cell phones after we left, and that was when we heard about certain troopers being attacked, uh, the police were having to use non-lethal bullets and things like that. So it got a lot worse, and we were kind of glad we'd gotten out of there. Well, and just to, to kind of punctuate how the, the um, law enforcement was taking seriously the idea of keeping motorists out of that area, they were publicizing that the toll roads, um, I-45, 130, that tolls were being waived for those roadways for a certain period of time to try and divert motorists there in order to avoid the downtown area. So when the government's willing to give up <laughs> some of their loot, I think then we would say right. that they are kind of looking at that as it pretty much of a red alert type event. I, I think there. this is also another miscalculation by those that are out there protesting. When they go after Trump. Um, you know, there was a guy, um, I can't remember exactly which city it was, but I think it was here in either, it was either in Dallas or Houston. Um, but he, he was supporting the protest, you know, not, not the violent protest, but just the regular protest. But you know what? He was wearing a Trump hat. And because he was wearing a Trump hat, uh, and, and he got beat up. And he's, he had a, in this picture, this video that he showed, because uh, they grabbed his hat and he went after it and got it back, but it was a fight. This is not a political left-right issue because the police are targeting you whether you support Trump or don't support Trump. And by making this a political issue, a lot of these people are really turning off a lot of their support. And then also by by doing this rioting and this this destruction of local communities, I don't think these people realize, you know, where, where are the fair 15 people that are talking about the, the minimum wage? Because now, guess what? Those people have no income because they have no job. Hundreds of people are out of work because their business is gone. CJ, if you could name me something that doesn't become a partisan political issue, I would appreciate it. I never thought a virus or a pandemic would become a political issue, but it has. It's it, TDS. TDS is killing us. I yeah, thought TDS it, was bad. It's absolutely crazy, and I think you're absolutely right. And I want to mention a term that I've coined in my head. I think it's going to be the title of my next podcast over on Planet Logic. I'm going to call it systemic thugism. And I go back to a, an instance when I was in Chicago. I believe it was Chicago. It could have been Los Angeles. I was traveling a lot to those two cities at that time where there was a, a black guy, and I don't want to make this racial, but this is, this is about whites and blacks and how we interact. I was the white guy that looked affluent, and I was with a group walking down a street, and there was a, the black guy was a, a beggar or a panhandler, and he was in a wheelchair, which I realized later was, of course, a prop. 
and he picked me out for some reason and was asking me specifically for money, and I declined, and he got out of that wheelchair, and I thought I was going to have to run down the street. There is a group of people, mostly in urban areas, mostly in the central business district of urban areas, that have decided that they don't like the system or the system is out to get them and they're going to take back from it what they can. They're not going to go to college. They're not going to get a job. They're not going to learn a skill. They're going to live off the streets. And that's what I would call the systemic thuggery. Somehow we've got to turn this around. And I think it got started because of our our over-generous welfare system, which enables people to be able to live like this. And I'll tell you what, there's a certain group of people out there that know how to work the system. They know how many babies they can have and when to have those babies and how to apply for the the aid if you have them and if a, having a baby helps you more than not having a baby or if you can make more money, as you apparently can now, not working and getting on the, the COVID train. And somehow or other, we have got to put the dignity and the incentive back in people being self-supporting. But let me repeat what I have said for years now. <clears throat> I sound like a broke record, but when you reward bad behavior, what in the cat hair do you think you're going to get more of? You know, let's, let's take a look at, at the road we're traveling. If I go over here and get on Interstate 45 and turn south, I'm going to wind up in Houston if I stay on that route. All right, what what road are we traveling in this country, and where does it take us? Uh, like the thing about welfare or looting, when you reward criminal behavior, what do you expect to get more of? Uh, I got a question for all of us. Go down to HEB or Walmart and just look out in the parking lot and tell me when is the last time you saw a minority person get out of a 10-year-old car. <clears throat> They're getting out of brand-new Cadillacs and BMWs and Lincolns. They're not getting out of 10-year-old cars. I'm driving a 16-year-old pickup. My son's driving one just like it, but it runs. It satisfies me, but I'm just saying we are paying people so much money to not work and to be on welfare, they go down and buy a brand-new Cadillac. Just take note when you go down to a big parking lot and just look at what kind of car poor people get out of. I was watching last night in Philadelphia outside of a Target, and it was the way the camera shot was showing people driving up in front of the Target and then having friends bringing merchandise out and loading up these cars. And it was amazing to your point. That was a very nice parade of cars <laughs> that were going through that parking that's, lot. That's my point. Yeah, there wasn't anybody that was worried about, you know, the car not starting or the battery or something. These were all late model, high dollar cars for, in many, many respects. I'm not going to say all of them, but in many respects they were. But you didn't see a 20-year-old pickup with a fender knocked down, did you? And when I say the term systemic thuggery, I, that can also be applied to guys like this policeman in Minneapolis as well. We have that within our, our, our police as we talked in the other segment. But I do believe we have a very large part of society that doesn't want to play by any kind of civil rules, either believes that the man is out to get them or suits are out to get them, whatever they refer to the system as anymore, and the Democrats 
have decided to embrace. embrace this type of thing in order to get votes. And I just think that if we're going to have to make a statement somehow against this rioting, and we're also going to have to come up with some way to bring people up and out. I mean, when, when let me just ask you this. Could I, as a white man, walk up Martin Luther King Drive in any city in America, because every city has one, at 10 o'clock at night and be safe? I don't think so. So it goes both ways when people say, well, I was stopped while driving while black. I understand that. I don't like that. I don't think that's a good thing. There has to be a probable cause. That's why we have a Bill of Rights. But on the other hand, there are some neighborhoods it's best I, as a white guy, don't go into. And I would like to see America get beyond all that and bring this country together so that when you say, well, what are you? It's not I'm a black guy or I'm a white guy. It's I'm an American. You know, it reminds me of when we started Open Carry Texas and uh, we were trying to get more minorities involved in exercising their rights. And so we decided we were going to go down to Fifth Ward because we were asked to go down there. Uh, Fifth Ward is a very historic black district. And the whole point of going down there was to, to get more minority members to join our cause and to fight for liberty and to exercise their rights. And you know what happened? Uh, the, the, the rabble-rousers down there, Quan LX is, is his name, he's pretty well known as a quote-unquote civil rights guy, but he wanted to arrange a meeting to find out what our intentions were. But that's not what happened. What ended up happening was, no, you're not coming down here, you white honky. Uh, you're you're not allowed. You're you're not welcome in our neighborhood. And I thought, no, I'm sorry. This is America. I'm welcome everywhere, just like you should be. And we've got to get beyond that. We have got to get beyond because this is how the government wins. The government wins when people are pitted against each other based on skin color or sexual orientation or sex, you know, male, female, or any other 642 genders. It, well, as long as we're fighting each other over these little nonsense things about who we are and where we come from, the government's going to continue to just. Well, CJ, the way things stand in America right now, our strength is 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 damn well not our diversity. Right. It is not, no. and it's not our unity either. But our diversity is killing us right now. And if that's this is what diversity brings, count me out. The other thing I wanted to say, society has now gotten to a point where if you are educated or skilled or you're presentable. I don't know how else to say it. I'm, I'm trying to get away from the, the thuggery idea here and somebody that's Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now, only at BJ's. Obviously trying to make something of himself or herself 
regardless of color, and you walk into a, a company and you've got the right skills, they're going to hire you. Being a minority is often a plus in something like that. Every single university in this country has a Department of Inclusion and Diversity. Why isn't that working? I think it's because those departments of inclusiveness and diversity are teaching, are, 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 are separating. Opposite. I think it's They're the opposite. Exactly. It's, it's a grievance thing. Well, and have we weaponized diversity and inclusiveness? No and doubt. We have weaponized that. We used to do that as a natural thing, but not anymore. They have weaponized it. And we need to be aware of that, and we need to be aware of what they're teaching in the universities and the colleges, and even in the high schools and the elementary schools. What are they teaching? Are they teaching uh, the truth about history and how great America is? No. No, they're not. They're teaching uh, toxic white males or the enemy of the world, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I just heard on the news a couple of days ago some commentator made the statement that Obama is the, mo the most respected human being on the face of the earth. Do you believe wow. that? And if so, why is he? He did his damnedest to destroy this United States of America, and he almost accomplished it. You know, it, there is no doubt in my mind that Barack Obama was a communist and a Muslim. And if you don't believe that, look at the countries that he helped the most. The first country he helped was Cuba. He removed the sanctions against it. That was the first thing he did. The next thing he did was he converted our NASA space program to a Muslim outreach program. He did that early on in his administration. The next thing he did was he wanted to recruit and bring over here 300,000 Muslims from Syria. Now, why? Why flood this country with people that hate them, that hate Christians. You know, what was he trying to do? He was trying to destroy this country. He was trying to live up to the first statement he made, which was, I want to fundamentally change America. When you live in the greatest country in the history of the damn world, what do you want to change it to? Venezuela? Moscow? What do you want to change it to? What was his, what was his goal? What he said he wanted to do. Let's take him at his own word. So why is why do we say he's the most respected man in the in the on the planet? You well, know, I think I think the answer to that is because most countries in the world are not democracies; they're some sort of authoritarian dictatorship. And so, since that's the case, I mean, look, Chinese. How many billions of Chinese are there in a communist country? They might they might respect them. How many are in the Middle East who? Have authoritarian regimes that are only quasi-democratic so that's probably why he's the most respected person in the country but i guarantee you it's not democratic societies <laughs> there's a couple of points here and i know we're trying to keep this segment a little bit shorter but a couple of quick points rush limbaugh went on with the breakfast club uh the charlemagne, Char charlemagne the god uh you know you might as well go after christianity in any way that you can mckelvey okay I heard that driving over here to do this taping, re recording, whatever we're doing. And uh, Rush, Rush went into that interview to try to explain how most white people support the cause here of, of this cop in Minneapolis, this rogue cop that killed this guy. Well, they wouldn't have any of it. 
it was it was all about uh, everybody's out to get certain minorities and here and there. And until we actually passed some kind of legislation, and Rush made the point, well, we've we've passed a lot of legislation. Nothing ever gets better. And and the one question they could not answer that he asked is, what else? What other law do you want us to pass? And you know, if the brass ring is presenting itself, and you don't grab it, that's on you. I mean, if I had an opportunity to to go do something I've always wanted to do, and I said, well, I'm not going to do it because I don't like the system of the country, that's on you. The laws are in place. I don't know what else we could do. I mean, we've got affirmative. We've had affirmative action, affirmative action now for uh, since the Kennedy administration, and colleges will do anything to get qualified minorities to go there as students as long as they keep their grades up. There are all kinds of opportunities. Take them. I think that the race industry has set its sights on process more than productivity. They like to talk. They like to create mission statements. They like to set up task forces. They like to set up you know, all sorts of structure that we're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to have reporting structures so that you can go and rat out people on college campuses. It's all about the process, but we never look at if there's any productivity. President Trump, on the other hand, he's gone, and he's, in ways, kind of quietly, he and Ben Carson, they've gone, they've created these opportunity zones. Yes. They've been going out into these blighted neighborhoods, and oh, well, they're putting all these people to work. Well, we sell that in the numbers, the unemployment numbers, as the for the black population was going down. And that's where I think that the Democrats are so afraid of what is happening because they're not the Republicans, or President Trump anyway, he's not paying lip service that, oh, I've got this plan that we're going to go do this stuff. They're just quietly going out into these neighborhoods and they're doing it. And these people, they don't need or anybody else to tell them it's better. They have more money every week when they cash their Well, pay. he may end up getting a lot of the black vote, and I think he's going to, but I place a lot of the blame here on colleges and universities. If you go to Cambridge or wherever Henry Louis Gates teaches, right. and you get a degree in black studies, or you go to um, University of Texas and you get a degree in gender studies, what are you going to do with your life? Well, I come to some of the churches too because that whole black um what is the the, the denomination or the ideology black yeah it's a uh, black feel it's a black theology black liberation theology, black liberation theology yeah. which was like yeah, blt right, yeah like reverend Wright and people like that it's not I'm a sandwich afraid that i'm afraid that some of those people Academia well, what was the what was the number one phrase we remember from Barack Obama's church of 20 years? It was God D America. Right. That's what they're preaching in pulpits in some places. That is That's not what a, they're doing on the streets. That is not helpful. Well, and you look at passing new laws to uh, about discrimination. Look real close at affirmative action. If you own a corporation and you have some workers you better be careful what color of person you fire for not doing a good job. You can fire the white man and you're okay. You fire the black man and you better be able to document it every way from Sunday. Another thing, go down to your local bank, and I have been in a little bit of this. Uh, You can deny a loan to a white man, 
with this many uh, credentials or uh, assets, you deny the same loan to a black man with the same assets, and Mr. You are in trouble with the federal government. So we don't understand the severity of some of these uh, racial feel-good laws that our Congress has passed. Uh, we don't have any idea how destructive they are and how discriminating they are. And I think affirmative action would be one of the most insulting um, acts in or in to ever be covered under. You know, I want to think that I'm sitting here with you guys, not because, oh, you know what, we probably need to have a female voice sitting here <laughs> with us. I'd like to think it's because maybe I have some qualification, some competence, and I bring something to the table. But if affirmative action were the case, that's exactly what's being said. In California now, they've even passed laws where you have to have the right diversity for boardrooms. I don't want to own stock in a company where my board is racially diverse. I want it to be comprising people who know what the hell they're doing with respect to whatever the core business is that I'm invested in. I don't, and I don't care if it's all me. black, all white, doesn't matter. Absolutely. But let's look at who Joe Biden is talking about uh, having for a vice presidential candidate. Uh, it has to be a black woman. Now, it doesn't matter what her qualifications are as long as she's the right color. Well, so I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on one statement here, Con. It may be a woman of color. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a woman, and I, I'll predict Amy Klobuchar right now. But when you've got a guy as, as dumb, senile, whatever word you want to say, as Joe Biden— suddenly that vice presidential candidate becomes all important because that person is going to be president within the next, the next couple yeah. of years. Yeah, that vice president's going to have to change his diapers. I guarantee it. Well, I, I really think that uh, he's actually looked at Hillary. It's just that he couldn't find a good food taster. Yeah. Because if Hillary's your vice president, you ain't going to be around long. And I'm sorry, but there's a lot of bodies in the well, wake of the Clintons. Well, he was afraid he'd start developing suicidal tendencies. Yes. Uh. Here, Joe, do you like, what flavor of milkshake do you like? This one's plutonium-210. Yeah. Here's a loaded 38, yeah. Joe. When you get through using it, throw it about 40 yards out there in the pasture. Yeah. Oh, guys, you know what? We, we, we failed in our mission of making this one shorter, and I hate to bring this to a close, but I want to share one final little quick thing that thought that's on my mind to leave the audience with, and then let's go around the table and everybody kind of have their last little thing. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Two, three weeks ago, you were public enemy number one if you were out protesting because you wanted to be able to go to church because <laughs> you weren't potentially social distancing, wearing your mask, all that stuff. But Is now, this about consistency? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that uh, two-tiered justice system, yes. <laughs> that two-tiered system that we've got. So obviously now that's gone out the window. And so I think in the next three weeks, we're going to probably be seeing just how important that social distancing and that mask wearing really was. So be careful what you ask for, um, because I think that we're getting ready to get it, whether we want it or not. And with that, if we find out that, you know, this mask and getting together in crowds didn't make that big a difference, I say bring on the Trump rallies. I'm ready. Well, we're fixing to see a test of the... Uh uh, medical experts that we keep listening to 
and passing laws that affect the entire nation and might destroy our entire economy. So now we're fixing to put a test to those uh, experts in that uh, medical field. Be careful what you ask for. Yes. Well, my final thought would be this. I have been very uh, ingratiated to the situation that we've had for teaching me the difference in essential employee and non-essential employee. I have discovered that people that work at restaurants are not essential. We don't really need those people. But I have discovered that all government employees, from Congress to the cities to the counties, those people are entirely essential, and we cannot live without them. I've also learned that if C.J. Grisham and Con Tatum own a little store down over here on, on Main Street, that's likely not essential. But if Sam Walton started the store, or it's got a great big old target on it, uh, or it's uh, anything else that's a, a 40 million square foot big box, that's essential. You're not going to shut those people down. I've also learned that the only place you cannot get coronavirus is at your local grocery store. And I've just been thrilled to learn these things and to find out and to tell you that if I ever do get dumb enough to run for something and unlucky enough to win it, I would like to try to work to make Congress less essential. Amen. Uh, and I would like to see us audit some of these congressmen. You, you have to audit a poor plumber that missed a $100 uh, expense on his income taxes. You audit him, uh, but we've got congressmen that are misappropriating, stealing, taking bribes, whatever you want to call it, for millions of dollars. When were they last audited? We're auditing Richard Barr right now. Yeah. You know, for my final thought, I, I, uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means. It kind of drives me nuts, people with all these conspiracy theories. But I couldn't help but notice Prior to all of this COVID nonsense and prior, especially prior to the current situation we have with George Floyd, um, Trump was surging in the polls of black Americans. And the Democrats needed some way to turn black Americans against Trump. Mm -hmm. And look what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. We've got, uh, they are trying everything to get Trump involved. They're trying to destroy as much as possible. So Trump is forced to do something. They're hoping he uses a heavy hand on it so he can see, look how much Trump hates black people. Um, and it, it just strikes me as quite odd that at a time when Trump is enjoying a boost in popularity and support from uh, black Americans, that all of a sudden the Democrats and these liberal groups out there are doing everything they can to make him look bad to the black community, even though Trump had nothing to do with any of these riots. Have the Democrats learned to weaponize riots and looting? And criminal activity, is that what we're seeing? Uh, and just how, how far will the Democrats go to defeat Donald Trump? I mean, will they not back up from totally destroying the United States of America in order to, uh, to get rid of Donald Trump? I predict they'll try to move us to mail-in voting. Well, and that is another way they will destroy Donald Trump and America. He's fighting back on that, and we've got to support him in every way that we can. You better because, believe it. I mean, it's for all they, oh, there's no evidence. There's evidence all over the place, and certainly here in Texas with, you know, we have a term for people down in the valley that do that, do the ballot harvesting. It's called the politicare. And, and I've, mm -hmm. I've heard people say, well, I don't know, and I don't care. We can't afford that, folks. You better know, and you better care. We had better reelect Donald Trump 
or else this country is over, and after it's gone, you'll never get another one. And gentlemen, I would just like to say this has been great fun. I hope you all. Thank you. Yes, I, you know, I think we need to do it again. I, I, okay, I, and, and the political panel is a, is a nice name, but how about three Jacks and a Jill? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's think on that. Meanwhile, to our audience, I know this has been a long session. We appreciate if you've stuck with us, and we will definitely look at doing this again. Meanwhile, to all of you, stay safe, stay smart. America's best days are ahead, and we've all got to do our part to contribute to that. And so with that, we'll see you next time. This is Political Pursuits, the podcast and the panel, and we'll see you next time. Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.